Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Benj Miller. Benj's mission is to bring curiosity to help others find perspective, most specifically in small companies. His gifts are in connecting ideas, systems, people, and resources to build amazing organizations. His current focus is on accelerating businesses through brand strategy and EOS implementation. He helps business leaders get what they want out of their business. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you? We were talking earlier when we, before we got on that you came from a small town in Ohio. So tell us about where you started out and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, I grew up in the cornfields outside of Dayton, Ohio, uh, very small town. I think my graduating class was around a hundred. So we not only knew everybody in our class, we knew everybody in our, in our whole school, in our town, very, very small. Uh, but I knew I didn't fit there. And as soon as I got the opportunity to leave, uh, definitely wanted more, wanted, uh, wanted the big city. I was fascinated by you know, growing up the, up there. It was either Chicago or New York. Those were the two big cities in our, our world. And um, God had a different one in mind. I ended up in Atlanta. So that was by way of Auburn, Alabama. So I went from small town. Uh, my wife and I got married at 20. And she was a, a collegiate volleyball coach. And she got a job at Northwestern. And we were up there shopping for places to live. I had interviewed with a couple of people, gotten a couple job offers. We were in final rounds determining what I was going to do. And the coaches at Northwestern said, hey, we're going to, we're going to take this job at Auburn. We go down to Auburn with us. And we walked out in the hall to take a walk and talk about it. And I looked over at my wife and I said, where's Auburn? I have no idea. <laughs> and when she said Alabama, um, I, you know, I, I had no, I didn't know what Alabama was. I mean, I knew it was a state. All I could think of was redneck and like this tiny little old Western town or something. I mean, I had to go look at a map, like, wait, like what, where is this place? And it was, to me, it was the opposite of the dreams that I had to go to Chicago or New York. We were, we were on the cusp of making those dreams come true. Being from a small town, we were going to go make it in Chicago and the curveball was, was Auburn, but Auburn is what, uh, led us to ultimately land in Atlanta, which we've absolutely claimed as our city and our home. Mm -hmm. So since then, um, I, I came down here, I was a, I was a web guy, brand guy. So graphic design turned into art direction. Uh, when, when my wife's gig at Auburn was done, I took a job in Atlanta with an agency that I had been contracting with while we were over there. There wasn't a whole lot of commerce going on in Auburn, Alabama, it's <laughs> college and college and retirees. And so I definitely didn't fit there either. But when we got to Atlanta, um, I worked for that agency for two years and then went out on my own. Uh, that, that in itself was one of those hard moments because it started with an, I quit your fired conversation with my boss. Uh, and leaving that, one of the things that gave me confidence to go out on my own was just looking at him and he was uh, not remarkable. He was not a remarkable person. And I was like, if he can do this, I, I can do it. I can, I can survive on my own. And so it gave me the confidence to just say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be my own boss. I was, I had no intention of building a company or, you know, eventually building multiple companies, but um, I just wanted to go out on my own and that kept growing and I needed help and I needed more help. And next thing you know, I was running a, a 
small agency, um, but I had no idea what I was doing. So I got about six years into this thing, made a series of really stupid decisions, uh, more naive decisions, we, we could say, because I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was really slow to react and, and put the business in a really bad place. Uh, and that, that was a, such a pivotal point in my life because I had um, slowly, just as accidentally as I had grown the business, I had accidentally allowed my identity to be placed in who I was in that business. Mm -hmm. And so when it all went away um, and I could no longer say I was a good leader or entrepreneurial or creative, um, none, none of those labels that I had allowed to stick on me applied. And here I was, you know, I have the best marriage in the world. At that time, I had my first son who was healthy and happy. Um, but it was emotionally the lowest place for me where I could not give you a single reason why I mattered to this planet Earth. And um, so I, going through that, um, I had a coach, a mentor at the time. And we had this just pivotal conversation where he said, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to be able to answer three questions. Who are you? Why do you matter? And who does your audience? Um, and that just wrecked me. Those, those three questions wrecked me right away because when he got to the, why do you matter? You know, I, I had zero answer for that at that point in time. And he worked me through that conversation which I'm glad to go into if you want. But, yeah. but at the end of the day, um, I had to put my identity in something stronger. For me, that was, that was my faith. That was an ascribed identity of who I am as a redeemed child of a living God. And the reason that I have worth is because just like, you know, in the marketplace, things have the value of what somebody's willing to pay for them. And, um, you know, the son of God paid with his life for mine. So I kind of lost all my excuses to feel bad about myself at that moment and went on a journey. Um, and part of that journey was personal. Part of it was professional, you know, on the professional side that I, I decided I had three choices. I could go get a job like a normal human being. I could scale back the agency to something really small and manageable, or I could learn what it looked like to, to be the leader that I needed to be of a business. And I chose the third pill. And the third pill, ultimately, I, I found a calling in that um, way more than a job or a career. I fell in love with business building and the dignity that can come from giving people employment with purpose and a great place to work, um, to be part of building something that's bigger than themselves. Uh, and that's where I found my love. And I poured myself in that. I, uh, I, since then I've started eight other businesses. I've bought a business. I've sold some businesses. I've, uh, I had one business that started that didn't make it. I had one that kind of barely made it in a zombie type mode. So I, it's a, you know, not everything is, you know, Midas touch, but, um, I love, you know, what you're about, about, you know, the, the intentional lifestyle and getting to choose, uh, you know, visionaries can see, a preferred future and break it down and, and create a pathway to get there. So for me, life is just reverse engineering. Um, but it starts with one of the hardest questions that we have to answer, which is what do you want? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people struggle. I struggle to get super clear about what do I want? But it's in that that we find freedom because 
pretty big believer that we can go make whatever we want happen if we know what it is. And we, that's, that's the true, you know, everybody would say, Oh, I want a million dollars in a Ferrari. Right. But is it really, is that the thing that you're going to like be dedicated and passionate toward working toward? Um, even money is not a, uh, is rarely a goal. You know, it's a means to an end. Um, so when people get fixated on money, that usually goes poorly. But if they, if they really dig into what do I want? Why, why do I think I want this money? What does it represent? Um, you know, for some people it's power or control, which are bad things to chase after. Cause you'll never, ever, it's like a drug that never quite get, gets you there. You never quite get there. So that was a long winded question. Um, I, or answer, you know, I, I have three other children along the way since then. Um, they're now five through 11. So I'm loving the season of life where there's no diapers and no teenagers. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of in a sweet spot. That is a sweet spot. <laughs> wow. So, um, when you came to that point where you left your first job and you decided, you know, I can, I can do this. How did you get started? How did you start getting your first clients and have the courage to actually go do that? Yeah. Um, I, I had, a, just a couple people in my network that I knew, um, I, uh, one or two that I knew through the agency that I worked at that ultimately were too small to continue employing that agency. Um, and so I did a few things for them on the side. And then a couple people that I had met in my network over the two years being in Atlanta that I knew I could do some odds and ends projects for. And those just introduced me to new people and new people. And you know, you, you do great work and do what you say. And I think communication's a, uh, the, a big key because uh, timeliness of communication, if you're, if you're not communicating, then people's negative thoughts and negative assumptions will fill that gap. And so um, timeliness and clear communication can take you a long way in whatever business you're in. I'm a firm believer in that. So I was always just really clear up front. I tried my best to set good expectations with people and um, when it comes to working with creatives, that's a rare attribute. Creatives tend to not be able to communicate well or manage their own, you know, manage expectations. So that gave me a leg up. I probably wasn't even the, the best creative out there that was being hired. Um, but I kind of got the, I, I got their perspective. I knew, I understood what they needed. You know, they didn't need an art project. This wasn't, you know, they're not college professors. They had a business objective and, and my job was to create the art that would fill, fulfill that business objective. So I could speak way more business even back then than I could art. Got it. So most of the time when you were communicating with people were using the phone, um, how, how did you actually connect with people so that, that they would choose you? Um, that's a great question. You know, in the beginning when you're building a relationship, FaceTime matters. Um, not like Apple FaceTime, but you know, back then 20 years ago, it meant getting in your car, driving, showing up. So it was a lot of FaceTime and then a lot of, of email correspondence, those updates just to let people know where a project's at and what phase we're in and what, what to expect next and that timeliness. You know, as long as you're consistent, a good solid email can do the trick. That makes sense too, because I think it's when there's no communication or very little communication, that's when people start worrying about what's happening or they have, yeah. have all these questions. So just having that open communication, that's, they know what's going on. 
Yeah. Proactive. If you can answer their questions before they start getting worried about their questions, then you're, you're way ahead of the game. Yeah. And then as you built that business and you just got more clients, um, you said eventually it kind of like <laughs> exploded <laughs> past where you could handle it. Um, how did you uh, choose the people that you needed to help you as you went along the way? So I'll give you two quick stories. The first, um, the scariest hire that I ever made was the first person that I hired that was not billable. So in an agency space, you know, I could hire designers and developers and there was more revenue attached to that. But I hired a girl named Jess to help me keep my head on straight um, and, and manage. The, she was kind of managing the business a little bit, managing projects a lot. So kind of that customer interaction, keeping expectations, making sure that we're billing on time, all of that. And Jess was the scariest hire because I'm like, am I, am I ready for this? Can I, you know, I'm committing to something that doesn't have revenue tied to it. And that was really, really scary. Um, one of the best uh, decisions I ever made, I, I, um, I hired a sales guy and he had been in the financial industry for 10 years, which I don't would, would never recommend to somebody you go hire a financial guy to, to run sales. Um, but um, I just, there was something about him. I wanted to give this guy a shot and I don't know how long he had worked for me, maybe a year. And he had done a mediocre job uh, of selling, but I, my respect for this guy character and competence wise was off the roof. And it was after another coaching conversation with my coach where, where we're sitting and I'm just like, I, I'm not sure I'm wired to do all the things that I know this business needs to do. There's like, you know, there's this whole operations side of this business. Whereas I just want the new ideas, the big ideas to, I want to be the creative director with the clients and, and do strategy. And um, I want to do culture. And, and he's like, well, it sounds like you're the visionary and you need to, you need to, we called him an operator at the time. Um, now through EOS and the entrepreneurial operating system, I have better language around this to know that, I needed an integrator, uh, somebody to, to balance the yin and yang to, to my visionary. Um, and so I literally, instead of, you know, I could have gone and tried to find that guy or hire that guy, but I, I just kept thinking about Jason, this financial background sales guy. And I'm like, man, everything that he says reeks that he understands this, gets it. And so I went back, I walked in his office, I said, Hey, we need to talk. I said, okay, what's up? And I said, you're going to run the company from now on. And I left. At least that's the way he tells the story. <laughs> I just walked out and he just stared at the wall and goes, okay, so what does that mean? What do I do? What do I need to do? But you know, we figured it out over the next couple months. And, um, it, that relationship has been, uh, amazing because he doesn't judge me for the things I'm not. Um, he helps balance, you know, when I have 20 ideas and only one of them's good, he's, he's good at being kind about the 19 and, and <laughs> putting those on the shelf for later, you uh -huh. know, for later air quotes. Um, and, but then, but then say, you know, saying, Hey, that one's interesting. We need, you should go wrestle that one and see where it leads. And, um, so just really, um, even before, 
you know, in my world, so right now I implement EOS, which is the entrepreneurial operating system. And we have language for this visionary integrator pair. There's a great book called Rocket Fuel, which really breaks down the dynamics and the cadence and, and what a healthy VI pairing looks like. Uh, but before we ever had that language, that insight, um, we operated out of that in a really healthy manner. And so anybody who's trying to scale past themselves, um, I'm all about self-improvement, but um, uh, Dan Sullivan says, you know, as a leader, it, it's about the where we're going, but everything else is about the who. Who's gonna get us there? Not about the what, let, let the, go, go find the who and let them worry about the, the how you know, um, if we can find focus on the right who. And so Jason was, was my who in that business and, um, him running that business gave me the confidence to go and be the kind of visionary entrepreneur of some of these other businesses that I really wanted to do and got a lot of excitement. Um, I'm just a starter. I can see a, a market opportunity and put a great brand and team around it. And, um, get something from zero to one. And then some other people need to take over. I'm not a, I'm not a multiplier. Um, I get bored growing because that's like doing the same thing over and over. Uh, so as much as I can focus on what I'm good at, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense to me because I'm actually an artist and I'm the same way. I visualize everything. I want to put it all together. That's the fun for me. But once it's all put together, I'm like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for the next project that's different than the last yep. one. Yeah. That's right. So that makes total sense. Um, so you mentioned your coach a couple times. Yeah. When did you start having a coach? Why did you decide to have a coach and what's the importance of that? It's a great question. Uh, there were, there were two times in my life where I was told, um, I can't afford not to do it. I couldn't afford not to do it. Um, and this was one of those conversations. I, I had met this guy um, I liked them, it, but I just thought it was ungodly expensive. It was a, it was a coach plus a cohort kind of situation. So the the group would meet for a day once a month, and then you'd meet with the the coach, and then we had a lunch matrix. So you're matched up with one other guy um, during the month to have lunch with, and that was kind of the format of the group. And I met him, I liked him. It just seemed really expensive, um, and then I. Um, I met two people that were in his group separately and just, I was, I was just so curious. I, I knew I wanted it, but I was just curious and I was asking questions and they both told me at the end of the day, they couldn't afford not to do it. And I was like, I know, I don't even know what that looks like yet, but um, I've got to take that leap of faith. And that was 12 years ago. And I've been with the same group, the same coach. And if there was one singular thing that has, um, kept my life and business on track. It's being part of that group and, and having those allies out there in the marketplace to where if I need to figure something out, I, I can call and be like, Hey, have you dealt with this? Do you know anybody? Um, it's just an incredible resource to have allies in the marketplace. Nice. Yeah. Yes. And I've heard other people say the same thing that, you know, you should never go without a coach, especially if you're in business, but even yeah. in life, you know, there's things that come up in life that, for sure. We, we can't see, you know, if you think about a coach, they're on the sidelines watching you play the game. And when you're in the game, you can't see everything. You can't necessarily see the nuances of what you're doing, what the environment around you. So having that coach just to give you perspective, they don't, you know, rarely does a great coach give you answers, mm -hmm. um, but often they give you great questions and great perspective. 
Exactly. And um, you also talked earlier about um, leadership and your identity and how you kind of had to separate your identity from your business yeah. and actually be the leader. Why don't you expand on that? All right. Well, the, I think there's two parts to it, the, the identity part and then the, the, what, the, the leader that the business needed me to be. Um, I'll, I'll go with the second one first, you know, as, as an artist, as a, a creator, um, having tough conversations, tough accountability uh, was not necessarily one of my strengths. Um, as I grew the way that I framed some of those things in my mind and got really, really comfortable with tough conversations and tough situations. One is just reps. You know, you have enough of them and you realize that nothing, not, they're never as bad as you fear, right? My, my mind goes to worst case scenario. I have the conversation. I'm like, Oh, that wasn't bad. Or maybe it was even good. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, just reality. So much of the time we run away from reality or we spend actual energy um, not dealing with reality and the quicker and sooner we can deal with reality and trust each other with reality, whether it's my reality or our reality, uh, the, the quicker that we as a team can solve it and move past it. And so my, um, I just want as much reality as quickly as possible because that's, what's going to get break down whatever barrier or ceiling we're up against. Mm -hmm. um, and if that means a tough conversation, if that means accountability, any of those things, like, let's do it, let's do it quick. And it's still not something that, you know, there are people that are wired for confrontation. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not that, I'm not that guy, but I will run into the mess because I know that the mess is going to exist as long as it's not being tended to. And so for me, it, it's about creating um, the calm, the peace, the, the consistency that can, you know, but to do it, we've got to run into the mess and run right through it. Uh, there's, there's another implementer out of Cleveland, Ohio. He talks about um, his, his slogans, be a Buffalo. And I love it because mm -hmm. the reason he says that is because buffaloes are the only animal that will run toward the storm into the rain because they know if they get through it, the fastest way to get it over is to run through it because they're moving in the opposite direction of the, the storm. Whereas if we sit there and avoid it, it's just going to last forever. Um, on the identity piece, you know, I, I challenge everybody to think about those three questions, or if we want to put it in a, a simpler context, um, I ask people who gets to sign your report card and what's the criteria to which you're being graded? Because a lot of times we have all these imaginary voices in our head that we're trying to please. Um, and unless you're pizza, it's hard to please everybody. Mm -hmm. So um, if we can get really clear about who, who is it that gets to sign my report card? For some of us, we have, you know, dad issues. So we're trying to we're constantly trying to get our dad to fill our report card or our mom or our spouse or some imaginary group of friends that we follow on Instagram and we think actually care, you know, like there's, there's somebody in our head that we're um, subconsciously fighting for fighting for approval or affection. Um, and so if we can get clear about who gets to sign our report card and then what's the criteria that will allow ourselves to be graded on. Ultimately, we have control over this. Um, so we, we get to say, who is it and what is the criteria? And when we get really clear about that, and, and just for the record, I never dictate what that answer should be, mm -hmm. but there are some 
very unhealthy answers to that question as well. <laughs> so, you know, you, once you do that, you want to make sure you look at it and say, is this, is this a good idea? Do I, you know, do I want to put my identity in this person and this criteria? And um, when we can do that and we can get a very clear answer, it creates a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom. Yes. Clarity almost always creates freedom. Yes. So when you were talking about um, in the leadership piece about um, wanting to get to um, the reality right away. So, and you're, you're running small businesses because yeah. I have friends in corporate and they said they can spend all day in different kinds of meetings just and i'm thinking does that bring reality or how in a small business do you make that environment so people can actually share be open you get to the point that's a great question um and that's you know i could i wouldn't make it long in a big corporate setting because of the bureaucracy um and, and there's so much of a status quo they've they've baked the ingredients that have made them successful, uh, which is interesting, especially, um, you know, there's even innovative companies, companies that have made it because of their innovation, but they stop innovating because they, they've found some, you know, they're not willing to risk the success that they've already created with any kind of new innovation. So that's always a, a tension, but that's a lot of what the, the dynamic of that bureaucracy is like, don't upset the success that we already have with your new idea. Um, but in teams, you've, you've got to teach it and to teach it, you have to demonstrate it. So I need to, I need to be open and honest with the things that I'm wrestling with things that I'm, um, thinking about wondering about, and then I need to encourage that from my team. And, uh, Daniel Coyle wrote a great book called the culture code. And it's probably the simplest, um, but deepest kind of thought on culture, in my opinion. And he boils down culture, great cultures, what, you know, sports, war, corporate, into three things. And he talks about common purpose, which is kind of obvious, but like, yeah, we, we as a group come together and perform around a common purpose. But then he talks about vulnerability and safety as the second and third, which made a lot of sense. But the real aha moment in, in, his dissertation is when he says that we think if everything's safe, we'll be vulnerable. And he said, that's just never true. What it, what's required is for us to step out in vulnerability and be met with safety. That's how the rest of the room will know that there's safety to be vulnerable. And so it requires us as leaders to lead out, to be vulnerable, um, to not always have the answer, to depend on our team, you know, um, people can tell whether you're sincere as a leader when you when you're really looking to the team for collaboration, for ideas, for innovation, or whether you're just you know placating to them. And so, really, just valuing the humans and the uh, the humanity and and what they bring to the table, I think, is the the first step to creating that vulnerability and the, and the safe space for people to to bond and excel. Yeah. And um, what do you enjoy most about business building? Mm. I think it goes back to the dignity idea. You know, um, it's, it's, it's the ability to create um, and to create value. 
And when you're creating a business, you're creating value on so many different levels because the business can create value. You can create value for your family and you can create value for your customers and you can create value for your employees. And I don't know anything else on the planet that has that power. So, um, you know, we can create lots of other things that have limited scope, but when you find a, a place in the market where you can solve a problem and, and meet needs for customers and create value for your shareholders and your employees at the same time, that's just such a cool, you know, I can't think of something I'd rather spend my time building. And I like to build stuff, you know, I'm going to build, you know, I have a tree house for my kids in the backyard. I loved building that. But at the end of the day, um, the, the sustainability of biz, building businesses to, to provide that value for long periods of time is just, it's remarkable. And, and when you're building, what's the importance of being intentional? Well, you know, you're going to put your energy into something. So you might as well be really intentional with what that is and, and why and where it's going and how it plays into, you know, your ultimate goal or purpose or mission. Um, and that goes back to that question of knowing what you really want. You know, what do I want for my family? What do I want for myself? What do I want for my career? Um, you know, I, I value freedom really, really high. Uh, so I'm going to choose my freedom over a larger, you know, more zeros on my paycheck. Um, that's a trap that I'm not interested in because I want my freedom over, over, you know, the shackles of those zeros. Um, so that's just knowing myself and knowing what I want to invest in and and willing to put in and have clear boundaries around. Yeah. And that makes sense. We, we choose that every day. I know I'd rather choose to have days off where I can do things that I want to do rather than working all the time and making that big paycheck too. It's just, it's quality of life. For sure. Quality of life do you want? And there's no, and there's no answer. There's no like universal, this is the right answer for quality of life. Like that's, you've got to figure that out for yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, there's people that their quality of life is perfect when they're doing their work. And um, I was recently doing some work with Joel Bauer. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a business marketing person. And he, he could have retired when he was 30. He's 60 now. He eats, breathes, doesn't go to sleep helping business owners. He loves what he does. His wife complains because he doesn't want to, you know, he loves his wife, but he doesn't want to, you know, stop working. So yeah. for him, that's quality of life. For someone else, quality of life is, you know, having one week off a month and going somewhere with their family. Yeah. Yeah. It's just totally different. But um, I was really curious about your EOS implementation system. Do you want to mm-hmm. explain that and what you do? Sure. So um, one, uh, I was merging two of my businesses. Well, I'll tell you the whole story. I had an EOS implementer knock on my door, come into my office, sit down, show me this book, this three ring binder. Um, he was your kind of typical, uh, nothing like me. He was a suit. He was, you know, 60 years old and gray haired. I didn't connect with him much at all. Um, so I, I kind of wrote off the whole system. I skimmed through the book and was like, Oh yeah, there's some good stuff in here. Um, I do most of this and gave it to Jason, my 
my operator at the time and said, Hey, take a look at this. And kind of had the second, same reaction three years later in my same, in the peer group I mentioned, I'm sitting next to uh, this guy. He is so excited. He's showing me all this stuff. He's like, man, we've totally turned this business around. I'm like, what is this? He said, it's called EOS. And I'm like, EOS, I've heard of this. From the book Traction? Yeah, yeah, from the book Traction. I'm like, okay. So I go back, I pick up the book, and I look through it, and I'm just dumbfounded. I'm like, I know all this. I don't do any of this. So um, it was at that point we were merging two companies, and somebody that I uh, knew and trusted and respected a lot had become an EOS implementer. Uh, So I called him up. I was like, hey, we're merging these companies. I heard you do this. Will you come do it for us? He said, yes. He came in. And just like the gospel of Jesus changed my personal life, EOS changed my business life because it gave such clear structure to the blocking and tackling that is business building. And, and it did it in a simplified way that was very action oriented. It's not, you know, it's not like theory. It's not like reading some great book. You're like, Oh yeah, I'm so inspired, but I have no idea what to do. It was, it's very linear and step-by-step and do this and do this. Um, So we implemented it and I fell in love and I implemented it at the other businesses that I was involved in. Um, I ended up, um, I was shocked that there was no, software to manage the data and the processes and everything that they were prescribing. So I of course started a software company, software as a service. I was scratching my own itch, but I, at this point I knew 10 or 20 companies running EOS and everybody's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So we, we started, I started something, uh, got hooked up with two other implementers out of Florida that partnered with me to, to take it to market and, and grow it and scale it. And, um, I, it became one of the two softwares that are licensed by EOS worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have two licensed software partners. We were one of them and I sold the majority of my shares out of that last year. Um, and then started uh, becoming an implementer and started the Tractionville podcast with one of the other partners. So it's, which is now the largest podcast for companies that run on EOS. Uh, it's called Tractionville. We have a lot of fun. We, we, about half EOS, about other, about half other kind of business, ancillary business thinking ideas, um, great personalities, and um, and started implementing professionally for for other companies. Uh, it's it's the only operating system for a company that is focused on vision, traction, and healthy. So mm-hmm. getting everybody clearly aligned around where we're going. Then the traction is about the the discipline and accountability and the, the cadence to move in that direction. And then healthy is remembering that like businesses come down to people. And so as a team, as many systems and processes as we put in place and numbers and et cetera, it's about people. So how do we honor people, uh, elevate people and one of the best ways to do that is to be clear with people and and give them clear expectations of this is, this is exactly what your job is. This is what our core values are. This is what it looks to live them in this culture. We're going to, this is how we're going to measure you on the roles and responsibilities that we've assigned to you. And, and um, this is how your job impacts where we're going in terms of our common purpose and our vision. Um, So again, it, it, it was a system that, did not exclude the dignity of people for the sake of the business. And I just love that. And I love, you know, one of your questions earlier about creating that open, honest 
environment in a business, this, this, um, this system almost forced that because otherwise we're hiding, we're hiding from each other. And the system um, allows us to not hide as people, as teams and, and as an organization and just put it all on the table and trust the team to, to, you know, come out of the room better because of it. Yeah. So what kind of companies could use this EOS system? Would it be really small companies, large, much larger companies? That's a great question. So, um, <laughs> Their target, US's target, is companies that are 10 to 250 employees and growth-minded. You've got to have a growth mindset to understand that we're not submitting to a system just to submit to a system, but th this is tried and true. It's been proven. Um, Gino Wickman synthesized this thing. There's a book called Traction, um, but he stole it from Jim Collins and Gerber and Lincioni. Like he didn't make stuff up. He's just a great simplifier that went out and got, got all of these tools and, and created a very simple system around it. So um, growth minded organizations, 10 to 250 employees. That said, um, I've worked with smaller and I've worked with lots, lots bigger. Um, it works for everybody that, that's growth mindset, but if, if you're smaller than that, then you don't necessarily have the complexity in your business that EOS comes in and, and simplifies. And if you're much larger than that, you've probably figured out some of the things in the system already. Um, and if not, you should definitely look into it. <laughs> Got it. And um, when people are implementing this, is it, kind of like a journey or is it something where you put the software down and things start working or how long does it take to actually start doing? Yeah. Um, that was almost like a plug of a question because we actually talk about the EOS journey. Oh. Um, and <laughs> for us as implementers, we, we're looking at an 18 month horizon to graduate you. We do not want you to be dependent on us as your implementer. So we've got a, a, an 18 months. Sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's two years, but we're looking about 18 months. Um, but really within the first 60 days, you're going to have the, what we call the five foundational tools and you're going to be off and running with those. And those, those tools in those first 60 days will revolutionize your business. Wow. So, um, uh, at this point, um, how are you advertising or how would people come and work with you if they are interested in working with you directly? Yeah, so the Benj Miller Collective, benjmiller.co.co, um, has uh, all, all the details of my implementation practice and you can find out about it there. Um, I do free consultations where I walk people through the system through the, the six key components, uh, the five foundational tools. So they're going to learn something in that meeting. They can take it, steal it, run with it, um, uh, go from there. Um, or if they, they want somebody to come in and work with their team to implement it, then we mm -hmm. go from there. But BenjaMiller.co. Okay, great. And you said you have the tra Tractionville podcast also. So yep, Tractionville.com. You can uh, you can learn more there. You know, it's, there's some you can pick and choose your. We're uh, about to hit our fiftieth episode, so you've got about fifty episodes to kind of choose your topic if you're dealing with something very specific. Um, you know, hiring great people or negotiating or you know, we, we've run the gamut on on topics related to business. Um, so you can, you can kind of pick and choose your way through there. There's some, some great knowledge on that podcast. Great. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit because we've been kind of talking business, but 
um, you know, when it comes to actually creating an extraordinary life or an incredible life for yourself, um, you know, you, you mentioned faith, you mentioned your family. Um, uh, when you have your freedom, besides yeah. when you're doing your career and helping businesses, what is it that you like to do? Yeah. Well, just to be clear, one of the freedoms that I love is the freedom to uh, be strategically involved in the companies I'm involved in and spend my time doing that uh, versus being operationally involved. Uh, so I, that is part of the freedoms that I've had to, to build. You know, I had, I had somebody give me advice early on when I was contemplating this and he was like, man, I, I wish I had gone deep instead of wide. It was, he was, not unlike me that he had been involved in a lot of different ventures and that sat in the back of my head, like, man, that's gr that I know that that's great advice. At the end of the day, I was like, that's great advice. Not for me. And I stayed wide instead of, of going deep, but, but that was the freedom that I wanted uh, to be able to do. I, I didn't want to be tied to one thing 24 seven. So my work is even a place where I exercise that freedom. Uh, outside of that, um, my wife and I um, have a heart for marriages, um, amazing marriages, healthy marriages, uh, fighting for marriages. That, the, that does not happen without intentionality. So, um, you know, ours isn't, ours isn't perfect, but we value it very, very highly. So we build in rhythms into our own marriage that, that make sure that we focus on that in the midst of kids and work and all the other things. And, um, we love to help other couples do the same. Um, that's taken lots of different forms over the years, but it's something we've maintained, um, a mutual passion around. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I'm in a great season with my kids, but it's a, it's a season where I know that they're, they're in a formation, um, and so as much time as I can spend with them, both playing and having like real conversations is really important. Wonderful. That is awesome. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for all the wisdom you've shared and insights and being vulnerable. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. It's an honor. And um, if, if I hope it's helpful to somebody out there listening, and if I can be more helpful, I'm easy guy to get a hold of. So feel free to reach out. Great. And before we get off, uh, just one last question. What to you makes a life incredible or worth living? <laughs> um, well, I don't know if this is a good answer, but I'll tell you anytime, um, I'm starting to feel in any way negative about life. I think gratitude is the antidote. So, you know, things could be bad, uh, but they could always, always be worse. So what are the things that we have? What are the things that are around us? The people that care about us? What are what, you know, we have a lot to be thankful for. So if we find those focus on those focus on giving to somebody else, um, that those are the things that, create the, the, those positive energy cycles in us to get us out of our funk. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we'll talk to you again soon.